Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 6.8, where no matter what we do, there always seems to be lions. straight weekend Michigan hosted a weekend series against a Big Ten team at seven o'clock on BTN minus. Unfortunately this week they were both on uh, streaming. Well, that's what I mean but the last four games now have been I mean the with Minnesota one was bad like that needs to be on something I mean maybe not after watching some of the games but that's like the series you would be on so we are now having a lot of BTN minus. Do you have takes on BTN minus? Uh, we've well established that. Okay. What about BTN student U? Or is that the same thing? Well, are we going to talk about the hot dog fiasco or whatever? We're going to talk about the hamburger fiasco. That's what it was. So I get up there about an hour before, and which is still early for a game. I mean, most people don't arrive until after that. And first of all, like the... All of the seats are taken by children, and they all have hamburgers, which is okay. So then I go to get a hamburger once the usher, like, shoes a few of them away, like flies, and there is one hamburger patty left. So I grab it, and I put it on my bun, and I make myself a nice hamburger, and I sit down. And then one of the girls that's working with the daily walks over, grabs a bun, puts it on a plate, <laughs> opens the lid, and there's nothing. And I looked at the usher, and I was like... Yeah, so I grabbed the last hamburger. She's like, we're out? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, we only get one tray. And I was like, so there's no more food? And she's like, no. And I think it's because all of the (laughs) interns took two apiece. Yeah, that's pretty... So they're not sitting in the right spot. They take everyone else's food... What is this? And the this is the And then the product that they put on the on the air is it should be hit with wrenches. Yeah, that was so was all the student you people that took them? Well, I mean there was probably other people, but it wasn't like the media and writers and like on ice officials and you know, staffers and all of that. Cuz they were all gone like an hour over an hour before the game started. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why there's only one tray. Well, so other times, like, if you get, like, a a big tray of, like, macaroni and cheese, they get another one. Is it because it's, like, meat patties? I I don't know. I don't know why. They should just be able to have more. You would think so. (laughs) And they're like, well, you can go down and buy some. And I'm like... (laughs) Well, I've gone down the concourse at times at Yost and, and bought food because... It's been better at times than some of the media meals. Well, I don't disagree, but you at least had an option. If you're like, hey, I don't need yep. like a pile of mushrooms, I, I, I'm going to go get other food. That's, that's a decision that you can make. I think there's got to be a solution here. Either you have to have one tray and the usher needs to stand there with a spear. <laughs> I mean, with a spear. <laughs> guarding it. For the record, she's like... One of the nicest ladies. She always talks to me. is very sweet. So I'm not putting any of this on her. That's uh, This is not about uh, the usher that's working there. Or you need to have two trays. Or three trays or four trays. Or, or whatever. What, how many trays you need. Yeah. This is the University of Michigan. Don't we have enough food? <laughs> I, I, this doesn't seem that complicated. I remember there was one time in the football press box, 2018, 2019, something like that, where 
they it were noon games they would serve lunch back in those days wouldn't they do breakfast earlier yes with the big house waffle yeah which is like the one greatest of your... waffle of all time better than waffle house yes okay there wow. it's the best there ever was at waffles <laughs> there ever was um but anyway then they would serve lunch at halftime when you make sense normally always like sausage and brats and sure. hot dogs whatever but anyway there was one time that we all got down there in the line as soon as halftime started and the food wasn't out and it didn't come until like near the end of halftime when everyone had to go back to so was everyone like scurrying i to just grab remember him? i was like three spots in line behind brandy and he was just going crazy <laughs> where's the food <laughs> can you can you do a brand center no, impression I, no i can't oh. but it was it just i don't know the catering services need to improve. Well, but it's not – I don't even know if it's the catering service. I don't know where the, the breakdown in the chain is, but like just not having food. So the other thing is there's enough food because if you go for the champions level suite or to the other side in the suites, there's food out the wazoo. So it's not like there's not food in the building. It just – I don't know if they can't fit it up one more flight of stairs. I don't know. It's it's disappointing after all the time that we dunked on MSU for their yeah. media meal situation. The other thing that's interesting is you'll get people that'll come by and like like if you look at the the drink case by the end of the night, it's like empty. Like there's not it, well, anything. Yeah. So people walk up to it and they like pack their pants full of them, and yeah, everyone's carrying was four calling, waters. Was calling hockey games, I used to like grab a ton of waters right at the start. Right, but. So that also happens with cookies, where now like the usher like chases people I away. I always felt that the cookies there was like a lot of them, especially relative to the food. But people like, walk bring, up like they were bringing like the equal amount of main course as cookies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but people will walk up and take like five cookies, and you're like, "Where are you going? Oh, I'm taking them down there." And it's like, "Where you're going to sit and eat them, or like why?" I I just like now I take I take two waters every time. Not because I think I need two waters, but because in case I need a second one, I know that by the third period it will be gone. And now if I don't use it, I always put it back. So I never take it home or anything. Like that's, you know, I give them their water back. But I guess it's just maybe that's why they do it. I remember, were you there when you used to have to sign a sheet? Yeah. Like you had to sign in so that like they'd know who was eating and how many. What year was that? Uh, it was like one of, was it, was TJ the, the SID? It might've been like 18, 19, one of those years. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. It seems, it, best, I mean. The best year, no doubt, was the COVID year. Oh, because. We got the whole, all like the entire stadium to ourselves. But you didn't have food. No, but you could bring food. Like, I they did. They were so lax about like what you could bring in. I, br- I used to bring in like a sandwich. Yeah. And a bag of cookies. Yeah. You could just, it was like anything goes, you just get the whole third, fourth, fifth floors. Like people Yeah, we sat in the Champions League. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was great. And you got the TVs, so you're like watching NFL Red Zone <laughs> while you have on, like while you're watching the game. Yeah. The worst part about that was they pumped in the piped in crowd noise. So you just heard this like, ah, yeah. during the game, you're like, what is this? Is there like a fan on or something? Yeah. But, because for a while before they did that, you could hear the players talk on the ice. Which was interesting because you could hear them call out things at times. And you're like, it was oh, also great for parking because <laughs> well. I was thinking about this recently. But I, remember, I was just thinking about because I did all those games, every home game, uh, football that year I did, and like I remember that that lot, you know, that's right behind the uh, the the backside between of the Chrysler, uh, between Chrysler and the big house. No, like the 
the back, like the big house is there on stadium. Then you have uh, Maine going this way. Mm-hmm. That lot on the back right there. Oh, okay. Like, uh, is that Kipke or whatever that, that one is? Not the, not the lot down by Chrysler, but the one up top. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's where I would park for football in the COVID year. <laughs> well, that's like, pretty you nice. You park like, you know, 50 feet from the stadium, just walk right in. There, it was free. There was... <laughs> The Drain family hasn't secured that spot no. yet. <laughs> if you did, you'd have to get there like way in advance. Yeah, you know, it's, it was a a glimmer and a bleak period, <laughs> especially because I'm reminiscing about that parking spot for three games I attended: lost to Penn State, lost to Wisconsin, yeah. and lost to Michigan. The State. fake games that don't even really count. Do you um do you remember the time you walked into your box at Yost and it was just full of chairs? chairs yeah, all the chairs. <laughs> all it was just all chairs. Twenty chairs. All right. Uh, I guess that we can talk about hockey. We've tried to not for a while because, well, by the end of the weekend, it was just pretty disappointing. Not even just with the on ice stuff, but just the state of the players and team now is a lot different than it was well a few weeks ago and even a week ago, but. Anyway, so Michigan hosts Penn State. They play on Friday night, as we previously stated. They ended up hanging on and winning 6-4, to four, which was, in the end, an, a nice little win. But um, as we'll get to, it came at a bit of a cost. So Michigan starts this with, like, an absolute bang. Like, shots are 8-0 in the first four minutes. And I think at one point they were, like, 14-2 or 12-2 or something like that. Like, Penn State could not not only touch the puck, but get out of their own zone at all. And Michigan just came on um, like, I don't know, what do we say? Banshees? Is that a thing? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Okay. What was important was they got a 5-on-5 goal from the fourth line. They did. And who scored it? Uh, It was LaPointe. It was LaPointe from, well, I don't know if it was from Draper, but Draper was was right there. I mean, it wasn't really, they were both like jamming away. It it popped out in front and then there was the shot taken. But... even before that, Shifsky and Nazer both missed open nets. So it could have been 1-0 before it was, and they already scored right away. And like you said, 5-on-5, five five, depth scoring, these are all good things. Um, and then they get another, or they get a power play with a chance to, to double the lead. They don't really, they don't really, they don't score, I should say. They do get chances, zone time. That was a, kind of a theme is that Michigan didn't have a ton of power play goals over the weekend, but they tended to be able to hold the zone against Penn State, and they, they moved the puck pretty well. Um, finishing wasn't always there. but And then we got to see one of the more exciting things in hockey. A penalty shot. A penalty shot as like Rutger from the far boards on the opposite side throws it off of across the ice off of the other boards to lead Brindley on what I thought was just an amazing sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it, an indirect or a spring pass or whatever. And Brindley gets around the guy, is 1v0 with the goalie, and he I guess he's hooked or pulled down a little bit. I think he gets a shot off. So I don't know where the rules of penalty shot and power play are, but um, they award him a penalty shot, and he comes in really, really, really slowly, waits and waits and waits and waits, and finally Granin goes down, go, goes around him, and scores kind of on the back post to happen to make it 2 nothing. They've been calling a lot more penalty shots to the NHL this year, if you've noticed. Really? Yeah, like at a much higher rate than previous years. Do which, you know like what the actual rate is to what the rate is this year? I'd have to look it up, but it was, yeah, they were running at a much higher clip, so... Are you a fan of that, or do you prefer... Oh, I love that. You like penalty shots? Anything that's weird, 
in sports is good. He just like weird things. You know, this I had my whole thing on Saturday about safeties. Like I've tweeted about that several weeks in a row, and then when the safety happened in the Michigan game, everyone was tweeting at me. Which one? <laughs> so were you mad, like Brian, that the score was still normal even though they had two safeties? Uh, partially, but I just like seeing safeties. I think that referees, they go out of their way not to call safeties, and it's very frustrating because... They go out of their way? Yes. Because you like... Anytime the quarterback's being driven back, they're like, oh, forward progress at the half-yard line. It's like, no, the point of football is safeties. <laughs> we want to see safeties. It's not something you should be refereeing when, around. When, when did you become an Iowa fan? No, it's just <sighs> very frustrating. But <laughs> same thing with penalty shots. I've, I've been saying this for years. Anything remotely like a penalty shot should be given as a penalty shot. Spices up the action... And in this case, beautiful goal from Brindley. Are you a fan of coming in faster, or do you mind like the slow take like that? I the only thing I care about is if you make a move. Like if you go slow, fast, I don't care. Just make. What do you a mean move. make? Oh, like you don't just shoot it? Yeah, because some guys just get right in, just shoot into the blocker. Like, yeah. What's what the point? Yeah. No. So I... if you want to go slow and do the lots of little dekes, or you just want to come in fast, swoop in, make one little move, then go for it. But as long as you actually make a move, and Brindley did, he got the goalie down. And that, that first little move got him on his knees, and then he dragged it to the outside, and, and at that point he was exposed, and he just slid it right between the post and the skate. So, yep. Very nice play. Um, and that is around the time that the momentum started to ch- shift towards Penn State, as maybe the first main event there was that Nazer skating through his own slot, and it actually gets ripped away from him, and the shot does go wide. It looked like Barczewski reacted pretty well, but... Um, you know, that was a very dangerous play that happened. And, and then after that, you get more saves from Jake. He played very, very strong throughout this next stretch uh, as Penn State gets seven of the next, like, nine shots in about five minutes. I think I wrote down, yeah, seven of nine in about five minutes. Um, and, you know, they're kind of turning the game back. Michigan has a really good start. And then the second half of the first period goes back to Penn State. And then LaPointe, who had scored a goal, kind of gives his one back after a, a not a great defensive zone turnover. As he's sort of skating back into the zone inside his blue line on the boards and just loses the puck. Um, and a guy picks it up, skates back uh, around the net. I think it's Fink takes it down and around and then has a very nice move where he's going, looking like he's going to try to go for a wraparound, but then has a back pass to a guy trailing him. DiMarsico, who then slips the puck inside the near post as Barczewski had left his front post going, thinking the wraparound was coming. Um, I don't really put that on Barczewski. I think that's, you know, A, you can't turn the puck over there, and B, you know, a defenseman or someone has to pick up the second guy. Um, But it's also a very nice play from Fink to drop that pass. This is another just really frustrating play because... The puck's in the neutral zone, and Trescott comes to get it, and then LaPointe decides to get it. And Trescott, instead of seeing that and then skating backwards, just sort of meanders into the neutral zone for no real reason. Just keeps going. Is he giving him a pass? Like, just, you know, like giving him... He's just doing cardio. He's, like, <laughs> nothing in particular. He, he, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and he isn't, doesn't really hustle back terribly hard either. And so then it creates, like, this two-on-two where Penn State's got it in numbers when it's your defenseman vacating his spot for no real reason, and then LaPointe turns it over, and then again, uh, you got a situation where uh, it's a tap-in goal on the side, and part of that is Warren thought he was going to wrap it around, but that's where the other defender was, you know? I mean, I, it's two-on-two, just pick up the other guy. Yeah, that's what I like would Like switch say. him? Sure, I. it's just, 
they corrected a little better in the Saturday game last week, but this was just another goal like the Friday one. Like, how many tap-ins are you going to give up? You mean against Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so at the end of the first period, it's 2-1 to one Michigan. Um, you know, it felt like Michigan was just dominating, but then by the end of the, end of the first period, you're like, it's pretty even, actually, and shots kind of evened out, and both teams had a lot of chances. Um, I, I thought Barczewski played pretty well. Not as good of a, of a second period, but... Um, there were definitely chances. Uh, so TJ Hughes gets one pretty early. And then like, I had a note that just like Casey in the offensive zone is, I just have him down as a magician. Like he's just so fun to watch his stick handling, his, the flow to his skating, the way that he sees guys and how he can deliver the puck, like right to them. Um, he's just hitting guys for chances repeatedly. And finally he hits, uh, I can't remember if he, he hits TJ Hughes, maybe, or is it Shivsky? I think it's TJ Hughes. TJ Hughes, who shoots it. And it might be Shivsky, I'm not. It was, well, it was the Nasal line, it was, so it was probably yeah, Shivsky, yeah. who who shoots from sort of the opposite side of the house, and then Nasal comes in from the backside, kind of grabs the rebound, and does a nice little backhand flip tuck underneath the bar. And that was like during a time when they had they had Penn State penned in a little bit, so guys are a little bit tired. Nazer just jumped on a loose puck, beat a goalie after the first save. Um, but it just starts with Casey. A cross-seam pass, and then you get a shot, and then a scramble and jam away, and it's in, and that's how you draw it up. But there were there were previous passes there that, that it, it felt like Casey's like hitting a guy, and he doesn't score, and someone gets the puck back, hits another guy, he doesn't score, and then he hits a guy, and then the shot comes in, and that's when Nazer gets the rebound. Um like Hughes was exciting, right? And he flew around and and could make people miss. Casey's kind of a different kind of player. He's like a well, he's like less, a really good point guard. He's not as good of a skater, but better hands and so a little bit different of a skill set. Yeah, but it just reminds me a little bit of like a like a Steve Nash type point guard. Yeah, where if you're awake and your stick's on the ice, he can, he can put it on your stick and you have a chance. So it's three to one. Uh, Penn State gets a power play, and Michigan does a pretty good job of killing that off. Um, mostly Barczewski on that power play. Uh, Michigan gets one again, and again, more like the first one, where they like they can get the puck in the zone, they hold it, move it around, but just can't, couldn't finish um, until their third one, when they do, where you get Duke gets a good chance in front, and then Gavin... Brindley to Rutger for a one-time, a pretty good save. And then Azer kind of acts, plays the Casey role, where he's moving around a lot in the zone, and Truscott kind of crashes the slot. Nazer with a really good pass from below the dot, hits him, and Truscott buries it to make it 4-1. And finally, Michigan gets their power play goal. Yeah, they're really just really stationary on this play, the Penn State penalty killers are, and it allows Michigan to play the angles and... Uh, get the perfect pass right into the slot for a good shot and a goal. And now it gets a little goofy where all this is the part where almost all the goals happen because it's so it's 4 to 1 Michigan's looking like so at this point before we get into all these what are you thinking? Are you thinking here we go again they're going to blow this or no this game looks a little different. At 4-1 I was feeling pretty pretty decent but still was not sure of what was going to happen. Once Penn State got going is when it uh you know, I got a couple goals, and that was when it starts to be like, ooh. So the first of those goals is basically a one-on-four where a, a guy walks in. It's seemingly harmless. 
Um, Casey just kind of gives a lot of ground on a one-on-four. You'd kind of like to see him go and be a little more physical and move the guy off the puck because even if you flat out miss, there's other people in the zone and it doesn't like this guy has anything to pass to. But he gives ground so the guy finally takes a shot near the top of the circle and I I don't know if it hits Casey's stick, if if something happens... But it's it's shot and it just sort of goes right over Barczewski's glove and into the net. And it's maybe a decent shot, but I mean, I feel like Jake probably wants that one back. Or is or is you don't pin that on him? No, I, I mean, you never want to be giving up a shot from that far out with no screen and no well, traffic and no movement. Just before, nothing right? yeah. in front of you. And sure, like there could be a little bit tighter of a gap by a defenseman or whatever, but that's needed to be saved. It was a really good shot, it seems like. I mean, again, don't really know if it was deflected, but it's ripped uh, right over the glove, and it's top corner, well-placed, all that stuff, but still needs to be made. A save needs to be made. Yeah. So it's 4-2. Penn State gets another power play. Um, Barczewski makes a really nice save to start it. Uh, goes across from one side. The shot wasn't great, but he gets his pad across and, and makes the save. Um, pretty good athleticism. And then they lose a face-off. Guys get tied up sort of on the draw. Puck goes back to the defenseman. They reverse the side to the to the left side. Shot comes in and it's just redeflected in. And, you know, you, those are the kinds of things that why you need multiple goal leads is because we talk about the randomness of a sport. And here we are where you just get a deflection and nobody really does anything wrong. I thought the guy who was who got a piece of it was tied up. It just hit off and got the right angle, and, I mean, Barczewski can't do anything with that one. He's not really tied up. I oh, mean, he isn't? No. he's. There's po- a guy near him. He's posting up on Casey, but Casey, they're kind of standing back-to-back with each other at the time. The <laughs> Were we seeing who's taller? Because <laughs> I, I think I know who. Yeah, I mean, Casey's standing there, but he's not He's not really doing a lot. Um, you would have wanted him to be a little more active. Yeah, but it's also interesting because it isn't a screen. Like, they're standing off to the side, and then... They're standing, like, up in front of Barczewski, not from where the shot's coming. Oh, yeah, sort of to the side, and so then you get the deflection there, but Barczewski could definitely see it. You just definitely uh, want a little bit better of a job to to tie him up there. So it's 4-3, to and now we're definitely in the... Welp, (laughs) here we go, but... Dylan Duke to the rescue. Uh, Penn State turns it over in their own zone, and he just kind of beats a guy around the net and gets a wrap-in goal and gives Michigan five to three lead, and um, seems to you know stem the bleeding a little bit anyway. Yeah, it was a big goal to flip the sort of momentum uh, in that period, still being in the second period. Yeah, yeah, especially going into the break to get back to a two-goal lead. Yeah, and this is just another one of those kind of scrambles where the puck's behind the net, and then they just sort of wrap it around, put it in. There was a lot of those sort of scramble goals in this game. And that is when I looked over to my left and there was a new person sitting with the street clothes or the the scratch players. And it was Marcus Stapa who had previously played in the game. Did you, were you aware at all that he, no, and Michael, no. I didn't even see that. And somebody leaned over to me and was like, oh, is it wasn't, wasn't a stop in the game. And I was like, well, yeah, I think so. And they're like, uh, well, he's now in the press box and had some crutches. Which is not ideal. No. Um, so, you know, I don't have a prognosis on him, but I, I assume that if a guy is using crutches and has a brace on his knee, it's not great. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, how many, there's what, 
basically less than two weeks left in this half of the season. So you're probably thinking hopefully he comes back in the winter yeah. sometime. That but would, that would be the hope. I don't I don't foresee him playing in the next two weekends, <laughs> given what I saw last week last Friday. So five three, you're now you're down obviously Jackson Hallam, you're down Mark Estapa. You're starting to run out of forwards, and we're going to the third period. Um, and not a ton happens for a little while. You you have uh, Barczewski makes a nice save. Um, you know, Penn State turns it over. Shifsky has a chance, but it doesn't really take advantage of it. You know, you're just kind of going back and forth. Tyler Duke hits the crossbar, so he almost gives them a three goal lead, and then. Dylan Duke gets hit up high. Did you review this hit at all or get to get to see it? He he gets he's in his own zone. It you know, I was sitting with Peter and Zook, and they were both like, I don't think this is a penalty. There's about twelve minutes to go, twelve, eleven minutes to go. And he just it, there, you can't really see head contact. At least they they said they couldn't. I didn't per- particularly care for the angle. It was harder for me to see. They seemed a little more confident. Um, but it is ruled a five minute major. And uh my review was that that had to be a five-minute major because it's in the Big Ten and it's you're within the same zip code. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> saying. Off of we have a pretty well-established standard by now. Yeah, and I saw that and I was like, "Yep, that's five-minute major." Yeah, that's the way the Big Ten plays, and that should be, and it was. So Michigan didn't really do anything except mostly kill the time. They, yep, you know, had a couple of chances, but their first couple power plays were much better than this five minutes. Um, now, obviously, you're out Duke and you're out of Stoppa, so you're out two of your your power play forwards. But um, it also felt like they were mostly taking the time off the clock. I guess McGrory did draw some iron once. but um, And then sort of the play of the day uh, happens where Rutger comes shooting down the right side, turns in a little bit, lets a shot go, and gets crushed. And he goes flying and hits the boards and is down and out, and um, you could see his face on the screen because they put it a lo- momentarily at least up on the, the, the big screen and then on the, the screens we have in the press box, and he looked like he wasn't there, like he just was sort of staring, and I don't know what that injury is. I'm not going to speculate that. It literally could be anything, but it took him a while to get him off the ice to the point of where we were kind of wondering why wouldn't you stretch him. I mean, they they tried to stand him up. Eventually they did, and he just... Well, they did stretch him, right? Once. No. Well, maybe once he got off the ice. Yeah, once he got off. Because he was right in that corner, and they just yeah. opened the door and hauled him off. And then I, I... But it took a while. I thought they had, once they got him off, they stretched him. Because then, then, then he went to the hospital. Yes. They might have after that. You 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 could be. But I, I he did not look like he was going to play any role in getting himself off the ice. And um, it reminded me a lot of the Karanen hit against Penn State last year, where he kind of steps into a guy who just released a shot who is a very smaller human being and Karen and hit him and he went flying and slammed into the boards and that was five in a game. This wasn't even a penalty. Yeah, this one is a, <sighs> this is a, a really tough situation because it's only like a full second after the shot is taken. It's like yep. between three quarters of a second and a second, but it's, it's, about uh, yeah, about two strides probably, uh, just roughly watching it between when the shot is taken and the hit. Is it a penalty for you? I think you have. I think I would have given charging um, or interference. Just come up with something. Um, 
roughing because of the injury i think that given the game state and given the way things had unfolded i think it needed to because then everything that happens after that is exactly what happens when you don't penalize that kind of hit yeah because you then have a, a, a retaliatory major with, with your earnesty and then you have a, a scrum after the game like that was going to happen and you have a game in which already a couple players had left the game for michigan one of them had been given a five minute major um like the, the you just kind of needed to get control of the game, and I thought. Um, so it's interesting that I asked you that for a reason because I've talked to a number of different people, and they've all had different answers. And some people are like, "That's sorry, that's that's called finishing a check." And other people are like, "No, that's a very dangerous hit. You can't do that." And there's a wide range. It's like the Karen. You it just you, it draws. I don't necessarily know what penalty it obviously is. But I'm a big, big believer in situational refereeing. And the biggest thing you have to do as a referee is keep control of the game. You can't lose control. And when you have certain things that happen, even if they're not penalties, sometimes you have to make them penalties or else the game will spiral out of control. Because, you know, you just have to be able to get a feel for the game. And when you already have a five-minute major in that period, it's late in the game. The team that's trailing is throwing big hits. It's going to get chippy, going to get out of control if you don't grab grab a hold. And they didn't. And... Um, yeah, I thought Michigan definitely needed to respond. Um, well, so it's still five to three because that, that play just on the topic of it is that is a tough one because if you make a hit like that and the guy's standing next to the boards, you just kind of crunch him and he's yeah. okay. in it, you know, it's, it's a heavy contact, but he's probably okay. Yeah. But anytime you get that where it's it's close to the boards but not on the boards and you have enough space for the guy to be knocked off his skates up in the air before he makes collision is when it gets really dangerous. Um, you know, it's again, it's not far enough after the shot that it's like an obvious heinous act. Yeah. It is. He has him lined up. He just keeps going. He Well, he tries to help him up. Like he, I don't think he was like trying to hurt him. No, it's, because the guy was like, "Oh, he skated over to him and was like, oh no," and like his, you know, obviously he realized there's nothing he could do, but it wasn't like, you know, he checked him into the boards and then like whacked him with his stick in the neck as he went by, like eat it. You know, he was, he was, I think he hit him because McGrady was trying to take a shot and he was finishing his check and maybe it was a little bit late, but and it Rutger did not didn't seem do a ton to kind of like shoulder it yeah. or like he it. That was one where he lines it up a good two seconds before it, it happens. Like, it's pretty clear and would have been in his peripheral vision. But uh, he slows down, kind of, you know, comes close to stop skating by the time it, it happens. Whereas, right, it's possible that he could have decided to hold onto the puck, swoop around the net. In yep. which case, he would have totally avoided it. But he decides to take the shot and uh, kind of knows it's coming. Exposes and, himself and I, I think a little he just probably underestimated the amount of contact and how hard well, it's going to be. Because Rucker's a big guy. Yep. So he's expecting, hey, I'm going to probably be the bigger force here. Yeah. It's it's un- unfortunate. I think a penalty was needed just to keep the game under control. And I thought, Mich- but I thought Michigan did need to respond. Even if it's not intent to injure, you have to uh, stand up for your team. And when guys are getting injured repeatedly <laughs> by the other team, it, you have to say enough is enough. And... So they're down at this point without McGrady is so he's him and do they so they have fourteen forwards to start the year. Hallam's out for the year. They dress the rest of the forwards, so that's thirteen. Then Estapa leaves the game. Duke leaves the game. Now McGrady leaves the game. So you're at ten forwards. And now there's only a few minutes left. But you know, you barely have three like a little over three lines left of skatable players. I suppose you can move someone up from, from defense and go around five and, and then, you know, eleven or something, but like 
they're going to have to figure something out. Um, Penn State pulls their goalie at 240, down two goals. Is that the right time for you? Yeah, that sounds about right. And then that's when we get the hit that you're going to talk about is Ernesty hits a guy into the boards. And, you know, Ernesty's bigger than this guy. It looks like he does hit him in the head. He goes against the the boards. The guy kind of ducks down into it a little bit. I mean, it was always going to be a major. It's, I don't, I mean, that's, is that anything in the NHL? No, probably not. Like not a penalty? Uh, Maybe. I'd have to look at it again, but I don't have a video of it up. But... So he gets called for five, and he does not get kicked out, I don't think. I think he just has to serve his penalty. No, 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 no. He did. He did have to go because they had to put someone else in the box. Because Casey also took a matching. So Michigan's down everyone at this point. Because Casey's in the box with somebody else for post-whistle roughing. Ernest is in the box. Yeah, that. this is where I feel like the um, some of the issues with the college hockey rules can come into effect um, where retaliation often becomes those sorts of hits, which sort of stray from the lines and all that kind of stuff. Like it's definitely the case that uh, when people talk about how sort of fighting in hockey was, was designed to stop the cheap shotting. It isn't necessarily true because when fighting was more prevalent, there were even more cheap shots and the game was just war on ice basically. Yeah. But it, this is where it is to some degree true because I, I think in an NHL game, you would have just had the next shift for the guy that hit Rutgers. Someone would have come over, grabbed him, starts punching him. You know, they fight for 30 seconds. They both go for five minutes. Maybe there's a two minute instigator, but then it's over. And Do you th- it's a duel. It's settled. And you move on. But instead, in these contexts where you don't let guys do that, then all of a sudden it kind of opens up this situation where now you've got post-whistle roughing and you've got, you know, questionable hits that can become five-minute majors. And and again, that's where I sort of say you have to be more aggressive policing this kind of game and hand out penalties preemptively because that becomes the avenue with which teams want to respond. So Michigan has about two minutes that they have to kill. They're up two goals. It's going to be a, a well it's not a five on three it's essentially it's a six on four so you have but the problem is being a five minute major it doesn't go away if you give up a goal true and it could still go into overtime if you give up two so you know they have a couple of minutes where they really got a button down but uh pretty much right away i think at like 148 145 something like that Fink gets a rebound goal, and, you know, Barczewski makes a save. The puck is, like, sitting out there after a really nice save, actually, so I don't blame him for the rebound because he had to come from a different side. Truscott makes a really good clear, gets to it, wins it, tries to clear it out, but when you have six Lions on the ice, he clears it right to the guy. And could, would it be nice if he would have done something else with it? Yeah, maybe, but he he's just trying— He was just, just He was on his knees. He's just I mean, trying he's just to swiping get— Swiping it away. Right. He's just trying to get it out of where it is. Hits it right to Fink, who fires one in. It goes under Barczewski and in. And that was a nice shot. Yeah. And it came right to him, and he fired it right in before there was any. Well, he had a nice weekend. So it's 5-4, to four and there's still a minute and a half to two minutes left. And, um, you know, you're like, well, uh, if events needed to unfold in a certain way for Michigan to really blow this, we're starting down that path. Because they have to kill a bunch of time. Uh, Tyler Duke takes a swing at an open net from deep and misses. Um, it And then it looks like Barczewski gets a piece of one. as He gets just saved off the glove, goes into the, the netting, and we're still waiting around. But finally, Garrett Shivsky recovers a loose puck in the slot, opens up, and hits the open net from, I don't know, what, 180? 
something like that, 175. Yeah. And gives Michigan a two-goal lead. It gets under a minute, and then it's pretty much done. But um, So they do. And you get the, the fighting after the, the final. Yeah, result, and, which... and like I, I don't understand how. I think Tyler Duke got a game misconduct or a he was – he got a you can't play anymore in this game penalty whatever that is after the game is ended like i don't does that just go on your record yeah, so that like you PIM, yeah. you're a guy who takes penalty minutes even though there's no you're not serving <laughs> yeah it's the, a very weird thing yeah but. that that is a way that you run up your pim totals by getting those like right at the end of the game type penalties <laughs> but yeah, i kind of thought that like i was happy that tyler duke got involved but i would have liked it to be like, I would have loved Jacob Triscott to be the guy to do that. Because like he's the captain? Yeah, an older state. Like, I just kind of felt that, and this is like a, my very 200 hockey men take, but, you know, just prefer it to be someone who's a leader of the team and not someone who was on Ohio State's roster last year. Well, he's a Duke. The, I mean, the, yeah, it, yeah. Dylan's already out. Yeah, I do, I do get that. And so I'm, there, glad, I'm glad that he did it, but I would have liked a little more help, you yeah. know, just to— But uh, Truscott's never really been— that point, guy. whoever. I don't care. Yeah, a little point. Find someone that is a, an older player on the team. Stop is already out. So yeah. <laughs> the guy who was like frothing at the mouth, could they have brought back Cutler Martin? He would probably would have joined in. <laughs> anyway, so Michigan does get their three points, um, but at, at potentially the cost of, of three guys. So, um, man, you're going to run out of team if every time you get three points, you got to lose three guys. But... Anyway, uh, we're going to take a break and come back and tell you about the second game. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Saturday night, I, I honestly did not know what to expect because, you know, obviously we talked about the three guys that went out and, you know, two of them looked bad and one of them was a hit to the head. So you just sort of never know with that. Although on my way out on Friday night, I did pass Dylan Duke in the concourse and he looked like he wasn't, you know, wrapped in a bubble or something. So I was like, eh, maybe there's a chance that he plays. But um, so you're still at like 11 forwards and then obviously you still have the two like scratch defenseman that you can put jerseys on. I, I don't, so I don't know. Like what, what do you do there? Like, do you, you can't not put them on and like dress them, right? Like you have to dress them. You have to dress them. I would play them. You asking a forward to play defense is a little harder, but asking a defenseman to play the wing, just skate around. Like, but they're so small. 
It doesn't matter. Just okay. Take sh- you just take one shift. You know, it's you're not asking him to play. Like when they tried to get Tyler Shea to play forward, well, he didn't. I mean, he, well, he didn't, which he, was kind of frustrating. But at the very least, like goaltending is like a, basically a different sport. Well, it's also than, different skates, right? Well, right. So yeah. you, if you if you maybe you don't maybe he doesn't even know how to skate. Well, it's just very. Well, he obviously does. You well, okay, goalie, but. but I mean, like, there's a difference between. It's more like the skills and all that sort of like. It's yeah, goalies in practice work with the different coaches. Like, it's basically a different sort of thing. Yeah, it's so, like it's like pitching. But versus... forward defense, I mean, okay, especially if you're asking a defenseman to move to wing, you're not asking him to play center. You're not asking a winger to play defense. You're asking just a defenseman <laughs> hey. to play in the wing, get one shift. Hey, Miles, why don't sit, you go, go win sit us... sit down for a few minutes. Like, Miles, why don't you go win us this defensive zone face-off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, Rutger and Estoppa are out. Um, they do bring in Enrico and Miles at forward, and, and Duke Dylan Duke does play. Um, you know, the line chart was uh, something. Like, they had... I, I'm, I'm, like, wondering if this was, like, a... Like a passive aggressive statement or something because like they had nasers 13th forward <laughs> and i was like i don't think that's what's gonna happen like what is this so obviously uh Arico and miles never played once. i always think the line chart is just trolling like for for people like us and i mean remember in the mel days they would always list the first line as the fourth line like there was well, no particular reason in which order they ordered the lines but i don't care about that because you're just looking at who's going to play together. Right. And so if you list, if you're listed third, you know, sometimes they start the third line because, Oh, well this guy, you know, had a good week in practice. So we're going to start him. But starting in hockey is, is a little like starting in, in football or something like you can come out on the second play because a completely different package is in, as long as you're not like the O line or wide receiver or um, quarterback or something. Right. Yeah. Like, so, Oh, you're going to play, take your shift first. All right. Like what's the difference? So, um, but what, the way that it was set up was like, I, I think, you know, I was trying to figure this out as we went along, but like, it looked like they were playing three lines and then they rotated in two guys. You know, you had, you had Duke, TJ and Brindley on the top line. You had Nazer, Shifsky, and then either like Ernesty or Moldenauer. And then the third line was more or less like Pletsky, Draper and Lapointe. And then you had... Moldenauer and Rowe that kind of popped in and out from different lines or maybe Ernesty as well. Yeah. But you basically had your third line was what it was unless they were setting a guy. And then you had Shifsky with Nazer and then the top line unless one of those guys was sitting. And, you know, that's what it was. And you just rotated them. And I mean, so you think that it might have been better served maybe with a Rico or I just would have given Miles. them a, a few shifts here and there and, and you know, mixed them in more than, than they did. And, you know, the part of the issue with this then becomes, like, when when you're mixing in two guys on three lines, is you're not going to get, like, the same combination very often. Like, you might just mix a guy in on the third line and rotate, but, you know, if you're actually mixing them, and I didn't look at every single shift that was taken, obviously, but, you know, you're just, it's like playing five defensemen. You're never going to have the same pair for a while. Like, there's going to be a lot of rotations yep. where you rotate through different guys, and, and you're just not going to have... And, and then you lose sort of the chemistry and the continuity. I think they kept certain people together, obviously, for, for you know, reasons that make sense. But um, – and I, I'm not trying to criticize anyone because I don't really know what you do in this situation. The, the situation is you can't you can't be in this situation. And when you are, yep. 
you're screwed. And what did Bill Parcells say? Like, you know, we don't practice screwed or something like that. <laughs> like, uh, it's yeah, just... it was a different coach, but yes. Okay. Who was it? Uh, wasn't it like Peyton's OC? Oh, maybe. Because the, the quote was about like, what if Peyton gets hurt? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, you could be right. But um, anyway, so, I mean, that was the game. That was sort of, unfortunately, what we were expecting. And, you know, Michigan, I thought, given what they had, held their own for a while and they got some production um, throughout the night. I, you know, I was a little critical of Barczewski and I was a little critical of the defense in, in the breakdown because, you know, you're playing Penn state so far has probably been one of the bottom two or three teams, unless Michigan is one of the bottom two or three teams, which I don't think so when they're healthy and everything, but, um, and you got them at home and these are points you have to bank. And so in this game, you still have good players on the ice. You still have a number of them. And you needed, there are games, you know, you talk about, well, you know, you just want a goalie to make a save or you want a guy to score a goal or things like that. This is a game where you needed someone to put on a cape and say, we're going to win this game. Yep. And they just didn't get that. They got, I think, pretty good production. I mean, they scored three even strength goals. They got one in an odd man rush, which is where you kind of need that, especially with those lines, the way they were. Well, and one of their goals was... A gift. Well, that's we can start there. <laughs> um, you know, Penn State starts off pretty well, or Michigan gets a a power play early, and again they get a couple chances, and then you know they don't finish it, and and it was a decent power play. They just didn't finish it. Um, you know, Penn State gets a couple of opportunities, and then Shifsky sort of enters the zone, throws the puck off the end boards, and it bounces back, hits Soulier in the skate, and goes in the net. And uh, I, I just laughed. I mean, I don't know the what... The old Joe Lewis bounce. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's what it was. Well, they, didn't they get the Joe Lewis horn? I think they did, yeah. So maybe they got the old Joe Lewis boards the for this board. game, too? There was an article one time that I read about why exactly the end boards at Joe Lewis were so bouncy. And it was basically, there was like a kind of wood that they had used that... For whatever reason, became became out of date other places, but they. I don't know exactly. I think it was just like different than what other places used. Um, for bamboo <laughs> was it bamboo? <laughs> I don't know, but I hope it was bamboo. Yeah, I mean, this is just a classic. You used to see that. Remember, Lidstrom would would intentionally shoot wide because he know where the bounces. Because you'd get the yeah the yeah. bounces, and this is just one of those that misses and bonk right off the back, off the back of the skate, and right in the net, and. Used to see those sometimes, and it's always fun if it's not your team. I mean, it's it up. it's goofy, but. Like, if you're Penn State or you're Soulier who played the second game, were you surprised Soulier played the second game? They've been doing that consistently, and the guy before gave up five goals. So. Well, I guess that's true. Um, but this can't go in, right? Like, no. This is this just is dumb. You, I mean, it's not like, oh, you're unlucky. It's yeah, it's clumsy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's one nothing. Michigan get – and that's sort of what I mean. They needed a goal like this. Later, they get an odd man rush goal. Those are the goals you need. You needed a power play goal, maybe two. That's how you win these kinds of games. And they just they just couldn't do enough. And um, so Penn State gets their first power play of the game. And it's actually going really well. They're, they're actually killing it off. Um, Jake gets a save on a one-timer. Um, they get lucky that a shot goes wide. But then... Like you, they lose a guy behind the net after an entry. You get a backdoor pass as the guy swings around the net, and he just taps it in far side. And here we are again. I mean, you tap, just tap in goal. You just can't. You can't give up these goals and win games when you don't have enough players. You need to be airtight, win in the margins, and 
you can't give stuff away. And this, I mean, I guess, you know, well, you say the same thing for Penn State. Yeah, well, you know, this isn't a Penn State hockey cast, but like when you're Michigan and you're down and you get your and you get your gift, you can't give it right back and they kind of did. Yeah, it's the same thing. It just consistently is too many tap-in goals. You need to make your opponent work for their goals, especially and, in this game. Yeah, and or the next few. It's just this, the same story. I mean, it's Brindley and Warren that are playing too high, and there's a guy below them. And this is the problem with the Michigan penalty kill. Like, it's not poorly structured. I think their guys are stationed where they should be. They just let passes, extremely dangerous passes, through them all the time, and they don't really take away passes. They don't block shots very well. Uh, on the penalty kill, and those are recurring problems at this point. But the thing is, is like I kind of, to some degree, expect that from Casey because he's not here because he's a defensive end zone wizard who's just locking people down. Sure, he's here because he is scoring. What is I think he has twenty points in fourteen games, and I know that there's some Lindenwood in there, but even if there isn't, that's still phenomenal. Yep. So, and he's small. He's always going to struggle in zone, but you, there's there's always a place on a team for a guy who can score 20 points in 14 games, regardless against who it is. So I give him a bit of a pass, but Jacob Truscott is not doing that. Marshall Warren is not doing that. Steve Holtz is not doing that. Luca, no (laughs) no one's coming close. So what makes you dependable on the ice? If you're not filling the other net is keeping pucks out of your own net. And if you're on the penalty kill, you can't just be, what did you call it? Orange traffic cones with sticks. Yeah. And no, it's orange traffic cones. They don't have sticks. Oh, that's stick. the point. It's just orange traffic cones. That's the point. Is okay. that you're an orange traffic cone if you don't have a stick. Just... They don't have arms, so they can't <laughs> hold a stick. So, like, they're in good position, but they're not using their sticks in, in any real way to discourage. And Warren's, like, in his fifth year. Truscott's in his fourth year. Holt, Holtz is in his fourth year. I mean, Luca's in his second year, but he's 21 or 22 years old. I don't know, man. This just has to be better. Yep. Um, all right. So going on the second period, it's 1-1. A little frustrating that that happened, but um, Michigan comes out, and, and this is their odd man rush goal. They get a three-on-two, and Duke heads on the left side, and he hits Hughes, who's on the right, cutting into the house, hits him, and Hughes buries a shot for a five-on-five goal, non-Lindenwood goal for TJ Hughes. Call out your boy. <laughs> the uh, pigs have flown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was just capitalizing on a fortunate break. You had a Penn State guy fall down, gives you numbers and a nice shot, and those are the kinds of goals Liam Soulier has given up a lot of this year. So uh, credit them for getting back in the lead, and you know felt pretty okay at that point in time. Well, they bounced back, right? Because yeah. you you get your gift, and so you're like, all right, let's hang on. I don't know what we're gonna get out of this, and then you give it away, and you're like, well, and then you create something like this is, and that's how you have to beat Penn State, and they they. T- took advantage of it. Um, afterwards, they get another power play, and you're just like, okay, this is the one thing that we can be good at. We still have enough people. The The power play works. You have dangerous fellas. Fill it up again, and we'll see what happens. And, you know, they get a shot from the point, and, and Warren actually gets um, – creates a big rebound, but it's cleared. They get zone time, but nothing real dangerous. Now, obviously, they're out. Asapa, McGrory, you know, so a couple of guys that generally are on the power play units, but – you know, you still got guys like Casey and Brindley and Hughes and people, Nazer, people who've been producing. You just need one. This is where someone needs to put on a cape and be like, you know, we need a third goal here. And it didn't happen again. Oh. But then you get your three on two. It works again. And our assist quest for Chase Pletsky almost 
becomes a goal quest as he rings the iron on his shot. And that would have been really nice because he hasn't had a point. He gets in position and he just gets unlucky. Michigan could have used that bounce, didn't get it. So it stays 2-1. So they have two really good chances, one on the power play, one on odd man rush, those sort of margin type areas. And, um, you know, Dylan Duke then turns puck over as bad Defensive zone turnover leads to a couple chances, but Jake is there. And he's, at this point, the first half of the game or so, he's really, really good keeping them in it. Michigan gets, um, this is where, um, before, how Michigan gets their third power play. This is an interesting one. I've talked to a couple people. I want your opinion too. So Luca makes a really nice pass from his own zone to Nazar around the opposing blue line. And he gets in behind the defense and it has a breakaway and gets hooked or pulled down or, and you know, and so he don't think he gets a really good chance off, but was this a penalty shot or not? And why? I was hoping it was. <laughs> well, you're always hoping that I, I, I would have to go back and look at it again at the time. I was like, Oh, maybe. And no, but so I talked to a couple people and they said that because he never really fully had possession. So yeah. is that, yeah, I can see that argument. So they end up, it's not a clear goal-scoring opportunity. He's yeah. in, but he doesn't have possession. So they end up getting a power play. And this is another chance. After getting the 2-1 lead, they've had two power plays, a three-on-two rush, a chance to just push the lead. And, you know, Brindley gets a couple chances um, from the near dot. And, you know, they're, like, good shots, but they're shots that if they go in, and you're the goalie coach for Penn State, you're like, you got to make that save. Yeah. And, and they and, were really stationary. And- yeah. And so Sulier makes the two saves. They get a tip in front from, from Dylan Duke, who almost gets it in, but another good save. You know, Sulier plays really well at stretches and keeps a 2-1 game, keeping his team in it. Ernesty has a chance, misses far post. Um, and then sort of the backbreaker happens where you get Truscott falling asleep on the back door and I think it's Fink that just gets in behind him. He doesn't even know he's there, and Fink walks in and actually puts a really nice move on Barczewski. Looks like he's going to go uh, front or to the like through the move to the opposite side of the crease, pulls a stick back and, and flips it up and over him. It's a good move. It's one where, you know, you, in a game like this, you, you want to save. You don't get it. But, I mean, it starts with, with Truscott. This was one where I was... I had this on one screen, and then I was college football was on the other screen. Sure. So I watching, and I saw it, and I was just like, "What? What did you throw? Well, I was did just, you have slippers? Well, I had to rewind it. I was like, "How did how did that happen? It was an entry. How was the guy all alone in front? Like, because they had entered the zone, and there was a guy in like seemingly, you know, just seeing it from afar. Yeah. Like, like, how could he have been onside in the zone that close to the goalie? Did when he they, just materialize? And they just entered the zone. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then I went back and watched it. And, you know, Fink times it up really, really well. He gets in the zone the moment they enter and they stop up for just a second. But what else can you say? You got two defensemen in the zone and the guy gets right by him and they let a pass right through. And it's just, just terrible. The same thing that we've seen way too much of. Yep, and it's 2-2, and it's just another goofy breakdown. It's a good finish from Fink, but 
uh, you just you can't you can't give up those goals. I mean, you can't ever give up those goals. In my, in my opinion, our opinion, whatever. But you can't give up those goals when you don't have a full set of players and you're like scrambling for every goal you get. And you know they get the the free one. They make something happen in transition, and then you know they take the lead again as as Moldenauer gets a nice tip on a Casey like 30 shot. Thirty seconds later, right? And so you're right back up there. So the the offense, I don't even really fault in this game. That you know they gave you th- at the end three goals. You know, one was odd man rush. You, you would have liked a power play, but like, hey, if you knew coming in, you got three goals. Can you keep three out on the other end? Defense needs to lock down. Barcheski needs to be great. And, you know, so 3-2. Good, a nice tip from Moldenau. I think that's only his, what, second or third goal of the year? Uh, let me look at the box score. It was something like third. that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's not superstar freshman, but he's playing well and, and got a big play in this game. And, um, you know, with the with the, it sucks for him a little bit because I don't think he's found a specific spot. You know, that third line was starting to look all right with him and Hughes and Hallam before. Obviously, Hallam gets hurt, and then you know other guys get hurt, so you're just bouncing all around the lineup. And now, you know, you're just sort of a fill-in piece on you know on different pairs. Now it feels like, and it's just tough for him to really find his spot yep. as to what he's going to be for this team. Yeah. So you are back up 3-2, um, and you get a, a really nice play from Brindley to TJ Hughes. Just hits him right on the tape, and Hughes lets it go. Again, a chance for it to be a two-goal lead, and, and Liam Sulier makes a really great save. You know, I, I remember typing about that one, or typing it in, in the Twitter and tweeting about it, and then writing this down as a note, because I just thought the pass from Brindley was great. Just hit him right on the tape. Hughes is in a good spot, dangerous spot, and and Sulier just just makes a good save. And and you know again that's chance number four or five of good opportunity to take it to one to take make it a two goal lead, and just could never get there. And then now you get like a really goofy goal, um, a shot from below the dot gets through Barcheski and in. It was tough to see. It was tough to see on the rebound uh, or on the replay. Um, you know, somebody said that it, it might have hit something. Well, in if front it hit something, changed. it would have been Marshall Warren because the player in front is not credited with the goal. So, so it didn't hit him. maybe it hit Warren. Maybe. I don't know. It, it doesn't really look like it to me, but. It looks like Barcheski's where he needs to be. He's in the right spot, positionally sound. And all of a sudden, he's a little, little sort of surprised by it. So maybe it does hit Warren and go around it him. It kind of just looks like it goes under his glove and then changes directions from the glove to then hmm. go in that way. I don't know. This is just a classic Frederick Anderson playoff goal. Just <laughs> a great reference. Obscure shot from the corner that cannot ever go in that he always gave up for some reason. Um, Palisic scored it, bad. made it 3-3, bad. Yeah, and you just, you know, these are three goals that all of them to some extent are easily preventable, and they didn't, and, you know, that's, a good way to lose games that you're really given everything in a tough situation and just never having enough. Um, and, and Tyler Duke then goes down behind the net. He does return in the third period, but then he was out and you're just like, I mean, he's been injured and healthy and injured and healthy like four all times year. This year. Yeah. Um, uh, Dylan Duke gets a pretty good chance, misses the far post. Um, and then, and then you just kind of get the nice break for, for Penn State, where a guy kind of walks into the house, it's shot, hits something, and then you get this sort of change-up flutter weird puck yeah. that 
go somehow goes over Barczewski and dips down underneath the bar. I don't I don't really put it on him. I mean, it's it, those change of direction ones are tough. It's he, a weird one. It's a tough one. He looked a little off balance, though. If anything, it's just getting even for the goal Michigan was gifted previously in that game. But now both teams have one have a goofball. Goal. Speaking of which, this goal reminded me. Did you see the clip of the Red Wing Senators overtime goal in Sweden from this oh, past week? The home run goal. Yeah, the home run goal. <laughs> That's what this looked like. It was the same like weird flutter puck sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But it wasn't it wasn't hit like that. No, it wasn't hit like that. But it was the same thing where it like it goes up and then dips like a parabola into the net. A parabola. This is a very MGO cast if we're gonna <laughs> bring up parabolas. Can we also bring up a rhombus? <laughs> what what can you tell me about a rhombus? Uh, the only difference is that in this case the goalie did not duck out of the way of the puck <laughs> like he did in that. Like dodging bullets. <laughs> yeah, because it's like Reimer, if you just stayed there, it would have just lightly bonked you in the head and instead you got out of the way of the puck. Yeah, you were paid to do the opposite. You have a mask for a reason. <laughs> so this one does go in, and at that point, it's four three, and I'm like, you know, yeah, they could score, but they've had chances. They haven't capitalized all the time. The power play just never really could complete anything, and you know, I, maybe we've just watched too many Michigan hockey games this year. But um, so you know. Uh, they do get a couple chances early in the third. Warren has a chance in the slot. It looks like it goes right into his pads. Pletsky has another chance. You know, let's take a minute here and just talk. Chase Pletsky actually has was good in this game. He had a pulse. And he's played, you know, they're going to need something from him because there are not a lot of other players left. But he's like, I'm a little excited for him going forward. If, if he can continue to get this kind of ice time and, and, you know, he made a couple of chances happen. Um, I think I think we can see him get on the board at some point. Probably. I think the third period really, if nothing else, is, is a bit of a piece of evidence that the fatigue situation is a part of this. Because yeah. we talked about the, the some of the blown leads and just the fact this team is pretty bad defensively. Um, and there might be a mental component. But also this is a game where they didn't have a third period lead. And they were also much worse in the third compared to their previous period. Yeah. They just were kind of lethargic. There wasn't a lot of juice. They never really made a concerted push. They had a couple of chances here and there. But they didn't really control the period. Um, it, it just looked kind of spent. Well, but that's what happens when you're rolling three lines. And you have a couple guys you, you, you sub in. But, you know, it's very hard to put. You know, you talk about you know, 1970s hockey and they only had four yep. defensemen, but shifts are different now. Yep. And you, you can't go at that intensity that many times and you just need a third pair. You need a fourth line. You have to just be impeccably conditioned to be able to... The other thing that happened is there was a lot of special teams. So who who's playing on special teams? It's not Tanner Rowe and Chase Pletsky. I mean, yep. the depth guys are well, not... That's what they always talk about with... Should you play your first line center on the penalty kill or not? Right? Is that well? It depends who he is, right? Partially, but there are cases of teams where you have first line centers who are good defensive players that don't necessarily. I mean, this was always did Patrice Bergeron. Well, he was a defensive center. I'm uh-huh. talking like a star scorer. Well, but are those guys good centers too? Well, right. But I mean, my case in point here is Austin Matthews thing. Who's Does now he? playing on the penalty kill this year? But he's always been a phenomenal defensive forward, especially in recent years, and he never played on the penalty kill. So is and he never, this year? He is now because they don't have enough good penalty killers. Okay. But in the past, was we're well covered, and why would you spend the minutes right. on the penalty kill? Yeah. Well, and that's you know sort of like 
from an Avs perspective, like you do want Kale McCarr killing penalties when it could be your third pair sure. who if you have if you have other guys in the lineup that can take that and you can spend those minutes in better situations for your top offensive players right then I mean you'd it want makes a lot of sense you'd want Josh Manson killing the penalty because sure. that's what he does better right and then you like you said you don't put the wear and tear on yeah. those players now uh well there aren't that many players to go around yeah. so what are you gonna do for for Michigan so um you know Penn State gets a power play into the into the third period. Um, you know, a couple passes go through the crease again, and they're not finished. Uh, you know, there wasn't a wide-open guy on the other end, but you're just still like, man, <laughs> if there's one area of the ice that you got to defend, it's probably anything within about five feet of your goalie. Yep. And pucks are just flying through there. So um, they don't end up scoring. Um, and then you get a weird breakdown of penalties. Lampa gets two and Ernesty gets one in a matching except Lampa gets two. So Michigan ends up getting a power play after that. It's a very, very odd situation, Um, but they don't do anything with it. And like you said, at that point, you know, it's going to take a fluky goal or a hero goal. It's not just going to be a, you know, half court offense cycling, wearing someone down goal. And, you know, they just, they don't get it. And... You know they pull they pull the goalie with about two forty seven left. They get an okay chance, but even then, like there's just you, know, you got no legs. Nope. And finally, an empty netter. It's five to three. That was a hat trick for, for Aiden. Fink. Aiden Fink. Yep. Misspelled, but pretty pretty good weekend for him. Uh, it was yes. Um, and then Michigan gets their you know fifth power play late with thirteen seconds left. Thank you for evening that up and. I don't get I don't get that. Like if the game is over is if it's borderline impossible to score enough to catch up and unless it's an absolutely egregious penalty, why are you calling one with 8 seconds left? It has to be like a like violent situation. Swinging your stick at some guys Well, nuts you, you, or mean, you can't let like a big big hit go. But uncalled. oh, I think that's a hook. Let's yeah, all go yeah. skate over Reminds here. Reminds me and, of the penalty that allowed the orgy touchdown to happen against MSU. Remember where um, Blackledge was like, a flag with 30 <laughs> seconds left in the game? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So, uh, you know, it's not great that Michigan dropped those three points. They needed six. Um, it's understandable after what happened on Friday. But even then, you know, the team put in an, enough effort and you just didn't get good enough consistent enough, I should say, defense. And, you know, you'd like your goalie to make an extra save or two. You'd like one or two more, you know, your power play to give you one. They couldn't. And, you know... In the month of November, they've given up five, four, four, and five in four of the six games. So I know you're reading those as goals, but they feel like power play goals. So, um... All right. Well, we will get out of that mire and uh, transition into talking about some scores where a lot of the teams that we're going to talk about play each other. So it won't last that long. Uh, First of all, our buddies in South Dakota, Augustana, played no one, unfortunately. So we don't get to talk about them this week. Uh, Next up, the next two teams that we were going to talk about played each other in, I think, pretty tight games. You have Providence and UMass squaring off in a home and home. And UMass wins three to two. And... I might have gotten this wrong. Uh, UMass wins both. 
UMass wins both games. Three to two. And yeah, three to one. I wrote it down as Providence lost and then UMass won, and so I was a little <laughs> confused there with that one. Well, so. it was correct. Yes, I <laughs> poorly poorly done on my part. But um, so UMass wins two over Providence. Is that surprising to you? I think UMass is a solid team. I mean, I thought they were both pretty solid. But Providence was like top five for a while, right? I mean, in pairwise, I know we're not supposed to talk about pairwise, but like in pairwise, they were one of the better teams. Uh, yeah, I'm just going off of what we saw from those two teams. I think Providence in my estimation, was the better team, but I didn't think UMass was terrible. So. Okay. Well, and the second game, Providence outshot uh, UMass 33-16. Ah, uh, but UMass wins in overtime. overtime. Yep. So they get, I guess... Let me look at what the shots were in the first game. Goalied, I would guess, when you when you say that uh, in that situation. Yeah. I mean, UMass decided to start <laughs> playing the NHL prospect goalie <laughs> over the one who's old and bad. It, uh, like <laughs> like what happened with when Michigan played them. So. Uh, second or first game, the shots were more even. So okay, uh, then Lindenwood uh, beats Long Island three nothing. But then they drank six Long Islands the next night and lost six to two. What? Come on, Lions! Yeah, uh, both those teams are not good. <laughs> who's better? <laughs> Long Island has a plus one goal differential for the season. Wow, that means you know what that means. They've earned birth on Michigan's schedule next year. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, Michigan's next opponent, St. Cloud, who beat Duluth two to one, and then again six to five. So they've won a couple of close games in very different types of games, uh, scoring eight goals on the weekend. They are six and zero oh in NCHC play. I'll tell you what, like they looked kind of dead for a while, and you and I were kind of like, yeah, you know, Michigan could is going to get a, a fluffy series out, but now that's not looking like the case. They have like, I think they've won six in a row. Yes. And like you said, all in conference, you know, Duluth is probably, you know, um, it a, might be over for Duluth. We said that a few weeks ago, yeah. but they're three, seven and three now on the year. Yeah. That's, that's no tears from this end of the table though, <laughs> for me. Um, uh, Stonehill did not face the Nina or the Pinta, but they faced the Anna Maria. Yes, which... Which is not the Santa Maria, but it's close. I don't know what level of play in it is. <laughs> I not, think it's D3 or let me, something. Let me look. They lost to them. Too. They did? Yeah, no! Before, the Stones! <laughs> Come on! Uh, I don't... I don't I'm not going to be able to give any analysis about Anna Maria hockey. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can. Anna Maria College is a private Roman Catholic college in Paxton, Massachusetts. It was a women's college from 1946 to 1973. It has been co-ed since. They have 1,104 undergrad students, and they compete in D3. Uh, that's and they. And what was the score? Uh, it looks like four to two is how it's recorded on College Hockey News. Oh boy! Let me look at Stonehill's website <laughs> because sometimes those sometimes those like exhibition games we get fake news on College Hockey. <laughs> fake news is that what we're gonna call them now? I guess. Let's see, Stonehill hockey schedule. <laughs> I can't believe, like, well, oh man. Yeah, it was forty-two. What are we gonna do for that score. weekend? Are we just are we just gonna punt the Talk hockey about cast? Wolverines and the NHL instead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it was two to two with three minutes to go, and Anna Maria scored twice. Oh in the no! Final three. I assume the the last one was an empty netter, but I would think so. Um, they are Owen. By the way, Stonehill Owen twelve now on the season. <sighs> I, I don't have anything Minus to say. Minus 42 goal differential in 12 games. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, you know, for their benefit, Michigan is just players are dropping like flies. So we'll see what happens in a, 
a couple of months. But they uh, play on New Year's Eve at Merrimack. It is one way to spend your New Year's Eve. <laughs> <Yeah>, it's, <laughs> it's in a Civil War battle, but. Uh, all right, Ohio State is the first Big Ten team we want to talk about, and it won't last long because they didn't play anyone. And obviously we've talked about Penn State, so there's only two more series, one of those being probably the biggest series of the early Big Ten slate where the Wisconsin Badgers go to East Lansing and face the Spartans, and Michigan State beats them 4-2 to two on Friday and then 3-2 to two to take a commanding lead in the Big Ten and I think they still have two games in hand on everybody, if I'm remembering correctly. That is um, quite a statement from our green and white little brethren. I'm not surprised. I mean, everybody was like coronating Wisconsin or whatever, but we watched that series. I thought Michigan was just as good, if not better, than Wisconsin. They didn't close games, yeah. but they, from the run of play and all that sort of stuff, I think this is an open conference. I think... There are a lot of teams that can beat other teams. It's about execution, and Michigan State executed, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that. And, uh, you know, they were at home. I know Munn was rocking, and it kind of reminded me of that uh, sweep Michigan had over Notre Dame um, in the 2017-18 season at Yost. Where, Early on in the season? No, the late one. Remember, Notre okay. Dame had been awesome that whole year. Oh, that yeah. was like the one that clinched Michigan going to the tournament. Right? Oh yeah, but like it just felt like that same thing where it's like you got the home crowd, everyone's excited, and that like that's your statement that like we're back, we're alive as a program again, and um, so I mean like you look at the metrics, they were pretty evenly played games in terms of shot attempts, um, and but they didn't give up that many goals, and that's been their thing is they sometimes hemorrhage goals, and they only gave up four on a weekend, and yeah, first game was sixty seven fifty nine in shot attempts, second game was. 54-52 Wisconsin shot down. So pretty so these close. Are close games, and uh, one team finished their chances, and that's the way it goes. So, um, again, I think this is a big 10 with a lot of good teams, and anybody can beat anybody at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, no one's beaten Michigan State yet, but um, we will we will see. Well, Air Force has. <laughs> well, when they join the Big Ten, then they will get their points. <laughs> Minnesota plays Notre Dame in Minneapolis, I believe, and Notre Dame goes up to Minneapolis in Mariucci and wins 4-2 to two on Friday, but then the Gophers bounce back and win 4-1 to one on Saturday, so no ground gain for either team there. A nice win for Penn State on the—or, I'm sorry, for Notre Dame on the road. Uh, I think that Minnesota's probably going to be a little disappointed giving away that first game. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, Minnesota is 2-3 and— one overtime loss in the conference now. So not really the same as the past few years. No surprise, but... No, and so, I mean, we can take a quick glance at the standings before we talk about St. Cloud, but, um, you know, Michigan's in a bit of a hole. They've played two more games than anyone else, and they only have nine points in eight games. Their point percentage is .375. That is good for sixth in the Big Ten, above Ohio State, below Minnesota, below Penn State. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and then finally Michigan State up at the top. And this is the thing. You start start of the season, and you say, okay, here we are in late November, and it's MSU 1, Wisconsin, Notre Dame 2-3, Penn State 4, Minnesota 5, Michigan 6, Ohio State uh, 7. A little bit different than we'd have expected, but I don't think it would have been like insane to imagine because we came into the year thinking this was going to be a really competitive conference, but and teams were going to be playing pretty well, and... Um, the, yeah, you have to finish games. The problem for Michigan is the three Big Ten series they've hosted so far are against the teams that are the three bottom teams other than themselves in the Big Ten. So they do get the top teams at home in the second half, but there's no like 
they're done with their easy series. I mean, if there are easy series, I don't think there. I don't think there's easy series. I don't think there are hard series. I think you have to show up to play every week. And well, it's going to be hard. It's, it's there are when hard you don't series have in the sense that um, you know one team's like at the top of the standings. If we're talking about that, but in terms of like quality of opponent, um, so you don't think any of these teams are one seeds? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how pairwise works. But I'm. Ta- I'm not. I know. I'm not talking about like in. I don't think I'm talking about this, when you watch them play, I, I don't does think, that team look like I a one Ohio seed? I think Ohio State's probably worse than other teams in the conference, and I think that's close to it. Maybe Penn State's a little worse, but like I've, I've watched Michigan play Wisconsin. Wisconsin was number one in the polls for some reason this week. Well, that's because you look at polls. Don't ask why, but they were number one. And I watched Michigan play. Then Michigan was the, in the run of play was the better team. Yes. But you got to finish games, Correct. and they don't finish games. And that's where we are where they are. But the point is that we haven't seen Notre Dame yet, but we haven't seen Michigan state either. No, but these teams are pretty similar to each other and these are competitive games. And so we will see how this, how the season goes. But uh, from a standing standpoint, Michigan's in a lot of trouble from normal standpoint. It's a really competitive conference and that's what we expected. Next weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, Michigan travels to St. Cloud, Minnesota. Have you been to St. Cloud? Alex? Uh, I have not. Have you been to Minnesota? I've also not been to St. Cloud, France, either. <laughs> well, that's... All right. You have not... Okay. So, you have not been to any clouds. Um, St. Cloud, uh, sorry I'm breaking the rule. They are 12th in pairwise. I looked it up. It's getting close. We have to use metrics at some point. We're counting down the days till New Year's Day. <laughs> so, they're 12th, which is, means they're not bad. No, I don't. I mean, I, when you're six and zero in the NCHC, then you're not bad. Correct. And they're twenty second in Corsi, which is okay. They're twenty percent on the power play, which is good. Eighty four percent penalty kill, really good. And they, as far as drafted skaters, they have four six rounders, a second rounder, and a third rounder. Yeah, it's pretty usual for them. So not a ton of high end talent, but they have a couple of guys. They have four skaters that are skating or that are scoring over point seven five points per game. One of them is a senior who's at 1.08. He has 13 points, nine he has goals. nine goals. That's VT Meaton, and he's a uh, Maple Leafs draft pick. Okay. Like a late rounder. And then they have a defense, a grad, grad level defenseman. Dylan Anhorn has one goal and 11 assists in 12 games. So yeah, he's right two at. two guys scoring more than three goals, and they have seven and nine. Wow. Uh, and Joel Molinar. Molinar, and then Meaton. Yep. So their scoring is going to come probably from... Meatonen has five power play goals, so that is something to watch. So he's probably the reason that their power play is pretty good, yeah. Because other than that, I think they have like, what, four or five more power play goals. So he has about half of their power play goals. Their goalie seems very pedestrian. Basse, is is that his name? Dominic Basse? Bassa? Bassi. Bassi. I don't know. He has a 2.29 GAA, 907 save percentage. It was uh, a draft pick in the sixth round in 2019. Wow. It's like Marshall Warren. Yep. Same age. So they, he has eight wins, four losses. Big um, goalie, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, well, that's, that's how they grow him here. Their backup doesn't really play. He's played 33 minutes, saved all 14 shots as a freshman. So I assume we'll see Bassey this weekend. Um I don't know what to say. Normally, I have a take here. I feel like if Michigan's healthy, that this is a team that they should skate with and probably beat. It looks like they'd have advantages. They're not healthy uh, remotely. Um, They get 
inconsistent play on defense and on the penalty kill, and that is where St. Cloud seems to thrive. It does not look like a great matchup from that perspective. They're going to have it's on, to— It's on the road. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan pulled one out and, you know, you split, but— um, I will believe Michigan can sweep a series when they do it and when they can close games, but it's it it feels like they're a lineup that they had on Saturday is probably what they're going to have because I don't see any of those other guys playing this weekend and they're going to need some guys to put on capes in the next two weeks. It's the final two weeks of the first half. You just got to find ways to get wins and grind games out no matter how it it happens, right? You, the problem is you're going to need good goaltending. You're going to need to be more mistake-free than they've been, opportunistic in the scoring, and once you get leads, find ways to get it done. They, they've they really struggled at all these things this season, but you have to find a way. They, you, they, you can't go 0-1-4 into the break. They need to be better defensively and on the penalty kill. Those are things. You clean that up, you give yourself a shot. If you're going to play defense the way they have this past weekend, and then you're going to allow teams to get those chances on the power play on the power play against you. I mean, unless, unless your goalie is, is Wah or Hashik or something like it's just not going to happen. Yep. And, uh, these are a couple of crucial series. If you can find a way to get some, uh, at least one win against, um, St. Cloud. And then you head into South Bend and play in an arena that you dominate for whatever reason over the last number of years, then, uh, scratch out another win and then try to heal yourself up and see how, how uh, much better you can get. Our yearly NCHC TV review next week, so tune in.